0: for glory. I want to know if you got your pop on there. Do you got your plug on there? I came out the womb out already. And he's the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. No one up above his head. They can't jump with me. God, Lee. Only they tackle him the 40 yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can! <laughs> I can.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can follow me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Another great episode coming to you guys today between me and Dennis Bennett. You can follow him at culture underscore coach on Twitter. We will be talking about the NFC North Division. The Norse Division, one of the best divisions in football going forward, in my opinion. All four of these teams, I think, are very close to not only playoff contenders, but possible Super Bowl contenders. That's right. You heard me right. Super Bowl contenders, even the D Detroit Lions because their team is not that bad they are loaded with draft picks and have a decent cap space but I don't want to give everything away just yet because we're about to talk about all these teams but definitely a very interesting division this year did not shake out at all the way I thought it would um definitely was very very wrong on how I thought this division was going to shake out and uh just awesome Awesome division, awesome players in all these teams. Really interested to talk about those with Dennis. Before we get to that, though, and before we bring him on here, I just wanted to touch on a real quick big breaking news earlier today. With Kyler Murray, he has decided that he will attend the NFL Combine. For me, I think that pretty much assures us that he is going to be entering the NFL this year. Uh, A lot of talk about the fact that he might not, might be using this as a ploy to get more money from the Oakland Athletics. They've already said they're not going to pay him any more money. And the fact that spring training starts up next week and he's not going to that and going to the NFL Combine pretty much, at least for me, secures the fact that he's going to the NFL. We'll see how that shakes out for him. Obviously going to be very interesting for him to go into the combine. Uh, There was a lot of talk earlier uh, this week that he's kind of measured in at 5'10", which is a big deal. I thought he was closer to 5'8", 5'10", although that's still fairly short. Not as big a deal as only being 5'8". So it's definitely going to be interesting with him going to the combine, seeing how he tests, what he weighs at, and what he is measured at in just literally 20 days. I believe the first day of the Combine is the 27th, so we're 20 days away. Going to be very interesting. So just wanted to bring that up real quick and talk about Kyler Murray before we get into the NFC North breakdown. And before we do that, before we bring Dennis on, let's hear from our partners at Thrive Fantasy, and then we'll get Dennis in here to talk about the NFC North.
0: Hey everyone, this is Adam Weinstein, the founder and CEO of Thrive Fantasy. For everybody who doesn't know,
1: we're a new daily fantasy sports platform for Prop So Definitely would love for you guys to check it out. We actually have $10,000 guaranteed prize pool for NFL Super Bowl on Sunday. So we definitely have a, a lot of value and opportunity for you to make some money. Check out our deposit bonuses and matches and uh, we'd love to see you uh, on our app. And as I just mentioned, we've got Dennis with us back again to start our division breakdowns. I'm excited to get into this with him today. Been looking forward to this for honestly a couple weeks. And as I stated in the intro, we are starting with the NFC North. But before we get there, how are we doing today, Dennis?
2: I am fantastic. I'm I'm excited to start with the NFC North. Growing up in Michigan as a Lions fan, yeah, that's kind of stuck with me. Not that we had a great season last year, but uh, you know. Lions and Browns, those are my teams. Like I say, I know losing. Yeah,
1: well, you know, I'm, I'm just a fan of the Browns, and trust me, I understand. I know uh, losing quite well myself, unfortunately. Uh, been dealing with that, I think, uh, well, really ever since uh, I've been a sports fan. Obviously had the, the Cavs championship and the, the Indians pretty close there, unfortunately losing to the chicago cubs which still grinds my gears just thinking about that game but at least i know at least you understand a little bit of the tortured pass of the browns because the lions have had a little bit of it themselves so as i talked about in the promo we are going to start with the very top team in the nfc north and that was the chicago bears i personally did not expect that at all i thought that the bears would honestly be the fourth best team in this uh in this division. I honestly had the uh, the Vikings winning it at the beginning of the year followed by the Packers and the Lions who I both thought would have uh winning records and possibly be in the hunt for the playoffs and then I had the Bears coming in clearly in the fourth spot mostly because I did not believe in Mitch Trubisky or this defense, and uh, they proved me wrong big time. Obviously, the Bears completely turned it around, mostly I do think because of the Khalil Mack trade. Uh, Vic Fangio had this defense just rolling once they got him. They were by far the best defense in the league, and then Mitch Trubisky took a big step forward. How did you think the NFC North was going to play out this year before we get into breaking down the Bears?
2: Well, I expected the Lions to be much better than they were. Even with a new coach, I felt like he was going to come in and improve their defense. And Matt Stafford is is a solid quarterback. I'm a big fan of On Johnson. And then you had Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and Kenny Galladay. I really expected a lot more from that offense. Uh, I expected them to have a winning record. I I thought that it would be a Green Bay uh at the top of the the league Uh or the top of the division. Um, You know, you just have, you've got Aaron Rodgers there. He's the best quarterback in the division, top three or four or five in the NFL. And I just felt like he'd be able to uh, pull them through and and win that division. Uh, I expected the bears to be last and I'm not a big Kirk cousins believer. So (laughs) I, I didn't really have a, a, a lot of hopes for the Vikings to take the division. So, figured Detroit and Minnesota kind of fumbling around in the middle, and one of them might get lucky and get a wild card, but uh, Green Bay would uh, take the division, and, and the Bears would be coming up last. But Trubisky took some steps, and the uh, team played well.
1: That they did, and we will start there with Mitch Trubisky, as he was obviously one of the clear reasons why this team was as good as they were. He was, at times, a top 10 quarterback for fantasy, which is crazy. Of course, a lot of it coming from the production he gave you all with his legs. He was uh, doing a very good job rushing the ball. I do think, in all honesty, that the reason he started to decline there was after he got that shoulder injury. Um, even though he wasn't throwing the ball great at times during the beginning of the year, and especially deep throws, he was still still... still throwing the ball very, uh, I would say, decent for for a quarterback that not exactly what we expected out of him. Like I said, none of us – at least you and me both, did not expect him to take the steps forward that he did. Uh, And then once he suffered that shoulder injury, he really kind of seemed to take a step back and almost go back to year one, Mitch Trubisky, when it came to throwing the ball. What do you think his chances are of continuing to move forward going into next year? Do you see him staying up there in, let's say, the top 15 at quarterback for fantasy, Um, especially given what he does with his legs, or do you think he's going to drop down below that?
2: Well, I think he he has to continue to improve. You know, they didn't have many coaching changes on right. offense. They got Dave Vergone back at quarterback coach, uh, Helfrich at court, uh, offensive coordinator, and then Matt Nagy's offense. So they're going to be running some things, I think, to be able to allow him to make plays and use his legs. Yep. Nagy uh, came up under Andy Reid, who had Donovan McNabb for all those years, so he's been exposed to a playbook that can take advantage of a quarterback with that kind of plus mobility. So, with a receiver core of Robinson, Gabriel, and then a strong rookie from last year, Anthony Miller, and then Tariq Cohen out of the backfield, they've got a really solid receiving core. I feel like uh, Trey Burton uh, is going to is shown that he is what he is, which is a, a number two tight end. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I think Adam Shaheen is going to start to walk away with that job. But I think Trubisky going to grow again in year three. And, you know, a 37, 38, 39 hundred yard kind of season. We're going to see what he had last year here. So they passed for thirty-five, fifty as a team and Trubisky missed two games. So I think it wouldn't be out of the realm of, uh, range of outcomes for him to put up 3,900, 4,000 yards if he plays all 16 games.
1: Okay. So, I I mean, I think with that right there, especially, obviously, we can't account for touchdowns because those are, in my opinion, obviously, a very fluky stat. Uh, Those could go you know, just based on luck up or down uh, one way, uh, depending on how the season goes. Uh, so I, I would say then with that, he's probably going to be close to that, and I do agree with everything you just said there. I think especially with his legs, uh, that is going to give you a huge boost in fantasy, and as long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to have a chance to be right up there in the top 12 to 15 at quarterback. You mentioned the coaching changes. Nothing on the offense. Uh, we obviously saw everything that Matt Nagy and Mark Helford were able to do last year with that offense. They had it flying at times. The Big change coaching-wise came on the defense. We saw Vic Fangio is now out. He took the head coaching job in Denver. Good for him. And we got Chuck Pagano in. Uh... Not a lot of people were that excited about this hire. I think uh, he's kind of left a sour taste in people's mouth based on how things ended for him in Indianapolis. Uh, but I just wanted to point out before I get, get your take on it, I uh, was doing a little research on him, and every team that he was a defensive coach on, which was the Baltimore Ravens uh, and the Indianapolis Colts, uh, he was very good at running that defense. They were a top 7-10 to 10 defense, especially their secondary players. He was actually started out as a secondary coach in Cleveland for the Cleveland Browns and almost every team that he's had the secondary players have been amazing especially when it came to interceptions they finished in this top 7 to 10 uh, so he clearly knows how to coach up a defense maybe he's just one of those guys that uh, struggles to do the head coaching job but is a very good coordinator i personally think it's a good hire I think Pagano's going to be able to come in and, and run this defense, not obviously to what Fangio was able to do, because a lot of people think he's kind of a, a, defense, a great defensive mind to say. Uh, and, and Pagano, though, will still be able to come in. He's got great players back there. Obviously, there's one that might be leaving in free agency who we'll get to here in a minute. But obviously, when you have guys like Khalil Mack, if you can scheme up ways, and, and you really don't have to scheme up ways to get him open because he's or not open, but to rush the passer because he's so good. Uh, but what is your thoughts on Pagano now being the new defensive coordinator for them do you expect them to be at least in the top say three or four at defenses where they finish number one this year
2: well I do but I don't know that that's going to be Pagano doing anything with the scheme or if it's that he's taken over a really really good defense right that's kind of what he did in Baltimore he had Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed uh Helody Nada you know if I take over that defense I could probably put up put up a good uh, a good record as well <laughs> so you know you're coming in here you got khalil mack and uh company floyd on the other side uh they just they've got a really good really aggressive defense and uh his job is going to be to not screw that up right
1: yeah i agree i mean and that's what i I understand what you're saying with the Baltimore thing. I think Indy's defense, although they had a couple uh, good players. I can't remember. Vontae Davis I know at cornerback. And then why am I forgetting their passer? Was it uh, Freeney, Dwight Freeney? There we go. I was trying to yeah, think. They had Freeney and Mathis. There, yeah, I so I mean, he had some good players, but that defense overall wasn't loaded. I would say like this Bears defense wasn't. He was still able to get them to play good. Um, now, some of that also may have been due to the fact that Peyton Manning was running the offense, and so he was kind of forcing teams to throw the ball to keep up with the way him, Marvin Lewis, Reggie Wayne, were scoring the ball. That could be part of it as well, uh, but I, I think I think he's going to be a very fairly good coach, and then in all honesty, based on what you were just talking about as well, the talent they have on that side of the the ball i would think it's going to be hard for him to mess it up might not be the number one defense overall like fangio had him going this year but i still think he's gonna they're gonna be a top five defense
2: so well in uh pagano's defense in indianapolis too they only spent one first round pick on a defensive player the entire time he was there mm-hmm. and that was bjorn warner who out of florida state who only lasted three years in the league so yeah, you know, the front office didn't do him any favors when it yeah. came to drafting top end uh, defensive playmakers.
1: Well, I mean, I would I would say that that front office did do a good job of drafting front end <laughs> offensive players, either. They that was, in all honesty, I think Picano kind of got kind of got screwed a little bit with the way that that team was kind of tried to. I mean, they didn't build an offensive line or anything. It was just bad all around. I mean. I think you do have to give it a real just a break off on a tangent here to give it to Bruce Arians a little bit for what he was able to make that Indianapolis team look like when he took over uh, as the interim head coach for a little bit when Pagano was dealing with his battle with cancer. Uh, but yeah, all in all, I agree with everything you said. I, I do think, oh, it's not going to be a bad hire. This is not one of those position cha- or not position coaching changes. That I think is going to change much with the, with the, uh, the uh, talent they have on that defense. As we are talking about with the defense, the free agents. So the Bears have two key free agents, and one of them is not really key. I'm just interested to see if you think he goes anywhere. Uh, but two free agents that, that caught my eye uh, coming up this year, and that's the former number one, not number one overall, but their number one pick, Kevin White. Uh, the wide receiver who's dealt with injuries for many years now, uh, re- not really been able to get on the field, and then obviously their cornerback, Bryce Callahan, who I think is a big deal. So obviously Bryce Callahan is uh, the bigger loss, in my opinion, especially with that defense, and is as loaded as I think they could be in that secondary. Kevin White, kind of the secondary option. Your thoughts on them possibly losing one or both of those players?
2: Uh, I don't think Kevin White moves the needle at all. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to see him, you know, come in and take a spot over. I actually traded for him in a couple spots Mm -hmm. uh, last year just to put him on the end of the bench to see uh, if he'd be able to get healthy. And since he stayed with the same team and it's been, uh, you know, he's very familiar. I thought maybe there's a chance he does something. They've got opportunities there, um, but he didn't really do anything with it. Will he get signed somewhere and and make an impact? It's hard to, it's hard. First year wide receivers in free agency when they change teams don't typically have great years. And when you're a bottom end guy like w- White is, mm-hmm. you know, he's not gonna get signed anywhere with he's not gonna get signed anywhere with the promises Dante Moncrief had made to him. So he's gonna have to go, go in somewhere at a minimum uh level. You know, maybe maybe he'll show somebody that he's still you know, he's still fast, but I expect he's going to get a, a veteran minimum contract and have to work his way up. Maybe hope somebody in front of him gets injured. Mm-hmm. Callahan, I think, you know, if they could keep their defense together, that's always a positive. Continuity is a good thing uh, when it's with good players. So they don't have a ton of cap space right now. Yeah. They're sitting at $9.3 million in cap space. Yep. So they're going to have to make a bunch of moves. Callahan is going to get paid. Um, might not be uh, top of the line, you know, top five cornerback money, but it's going to be top 12, top 15. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Maybe they franchise tagging. That's always an option.
1: Yeah, I haven't uh, had a chance to really look at their full roster yet, see who exactly they would franchise tag. I would imagine that might not be a bad call, franchising him. Uh, I can't, off the top of my head, tell you what the top five cornerbacks are making, but I can't imagine it's that much that if they franchise tag him, they might be good uh, to at least keep him for one more year. I would imagine they're going to do everything they can to keep him, but as you just pointed out, $9.3 million is not a lot. I imagine they'll make some moves here and there uh, to kind of free up a little bit more cap space, but right now they are pretty strapped on cash, which leads us into our next little topic here, the team needs. So, offensive tackle and safety and cornerback are their biggest needs this season. Obviously, if they keep Bryce Callahan, that'll help them a little bit, though they still need probably at least one more cornerback. With the fact that they're a little bit strapped on cash, I feel like all these are going to lean one way, but The free agents, at least the top three cornerback free agents right now are Robert Alford, Kareem Jackson, Maurice Claiborne, and then they also have Earl Thomas at safety, which is another uh, another, uh, area of need for them. Do you think they try and attack one of these guys, or... With them picking at uh, the—well, if they don't have a first-round pick, so that's really going to hurt them, actually, because there's three cornerbacks, at least in my opinion, that I think are going to be top-end talent cornerbacks in the draft. I think all three will likely go in the first round, and that's Byron Murphy, DeAndre Baker, and Greedy Williams. I actually think Greedy Williams might have fallen that far had they had the pick, but obviously that was traded in the Khalil Mack trade, so they don't have that anymore. Uh, do you? Wh- which would you prefer? Would you prefer one of those guys in free agency, which I would imagine they're going to have to try and get, not having a first-round picker? Would you try and maybe possibly trade up and get one of these guys in the first round or hope one falls to you in the second round?
2: I, I think they're, they're going to have to play the patience game, um, restock with affordable guys. They're paying uh, Sherrick McManus two mil. He may be able to slide in. that other cornerback spot leave Mm -hmm. fuller down in the slot Um, see what the free agent market holds out there i think uh i think spot track had callahan projected in the seven million dollar a year range yeah so they're going to need to come in with somebody under that and uh i think uh the draft is a good option you know the 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 draft is going to be really interesting to play out there there's I think when you get uh, late in the second round, mid to late second round, I don't know that you necessarily have that top-end cornerback available to you, Mm -hmm. but it is a good draft for defense. So they should be able to get somebody that can at least step in and be a solid contributor, and uh, maybe they put them up against McManus and see who can handle the business. And, and, uh, you know, the thing that makes a uh, pass defense – or makes, makes cornerbacks look really good is a real good pass rush and they've got one of those.
1: Yeah, that they do. That uh, obviously always helps out that the back half of that defense in the secondary. Um, just real quick, what I wanted to touch on, although I think there's a limited chance they're able to get any of these guys, but with offensive tackle being another key position here, not really any offensive tackles in free agency, uh, but the top three kind of draft picks, which I still would imagine all three are going in the first round, is Jonah Williams. I know for sure Jawan Taylor and Cody Ford will likely go in the first round, uh, especially with his uh, uh, high up as those guys have been talked about. is There is someone interesting, uh, Greg Little out of Ole Miss. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him, obviously, last year coming out, and he didn't. And then going into this year, he was very highly hyped. And he seems to be falling out of the first round for uh, a lot of different people's mocks that I've looked at. If that is the case, that might be someone that they should or possibly have a chance to go after in the second round. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. He's obviously fallen out of the first round for a reason, but that might be a, a, an interesting player for them to attack there in the second round. So you kind of hinted at this earlier with uh, some dynasty players that you thought were possible risers or fallers uh, on your list, specifically list going to the tight end position, as you talked about earlier, who give me one or two players you like on this roster that you think are going to rise up and be key players going forward for the bears. Let's
2: just say at least for 2019. I'm i uh, I'm still all in on Allen Robinson. I think he's going to finally be recovered from his injury of a couple years ago. He's put a solid season under his belt. And I think he's going to go ahead and be the number one receiver for that team. Uh, I like Sheehan at the tight end. I think he's going to lead the tight ends in catches. I don't know if that means he's going to be a tight end one or not. You know, when when you've got Miller and Gabriel, Cohen and Robinson, and then they spent money on Burton, so they're still going to try to make Burton work. But as a Burton owner last year, I can tell you it wasn't working. Yeah. So I, I like Sheehan as as a tight end. You know, their lead running back is going to be something they they have to decide. Do they want, uh, do they just want to keep the split with Howard and Cohen going? Have a very clear, you know, go the uh, New England Patriots route. Well, we know Jordan Howard is in there. They're going to run it seventy five percent of the time. Right. Or we know Tariq Cohen is in there. They're going to pass it seventy five percent of the time. Uh, like Sony Michelle and James White, maybe that maybe they just acknowledge that and say that's what it is, and we think we can beat you.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe
2: they go out and get a running back. There's going to be some running back depth in this draft, mm-hmm. and so that they'll likely bring somebody in. They bring in somebody in the fourth and fifth round. Uh, there's a strong possibility that that person can maybe push for some playing time.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and that's actually where my – Dynasty Fallers are, and that's where I'll start first. I actually am going to put Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard on that list. Uh, Jordan Howard, I don't think, is going to be with this team much longer. Uh, not based on his skill set, though. I think he's a very talented running back. Uh, he's just one of those guys who who's not that great at catching a ball which is kind of where the NFL is going but he's definitely one of those guys who can be a first and second down grinder I would not be surprised if he is traded at some point in time this year maybe in the draft to get some extra picks uh but I I just don't think he fits Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich's offense and the way they want to run things we saw them kind of commit to him early in the year and then they just almost completely went away from him almost the end, the rest of the end season after, like, week four and five. Uh, Tariq Cohen, I think, is going to fall down a little bit as well. He was getting hyped up a lot last year based on just kind of his skill set and everything, and we did see at times he was he was an amazing player, fun to watch, uh, almost, you know, like the Tyreek Hill, but at the running back position. He was a lot of fun to watch, and I do think that Matt, uh, Matt Nagy and Mark Fritz will still scheme ways to get him the ball and everything, but I do think they are going to draft a running back as well at some point in this draft. There's a lot of guys coming out that um are those backs that can catch the ball and everything, and they're a little bit there's a lot of guys that are bigger than Tariq Cohen, which I think is gonna be the main thing, which I think is going to lead to one of them possibly beating out Tariq Cohen to get the bulk of the carries next season. So I don't imagine Tariq Cohen is going to be right up there and what a lot of people thought was going to be like the top end of the uh tier two at running back. My Dynasty risers are going to be I'm just going to stick with Anthony Miller. I think, uh, again, he was someone I was very high on coming out of college. I had him ranked in my top – I think I had him at six when we talked about our wide receiver – in our wide receiver episode earlier. Uh, And he ended up finishing right on that mark for the rookie wide receivers. I think he's just going to continue to move upward, especially if – Adam Shaheen ends up becoming kind of the main tight end I think he's going to be able to draw some certain coverages over to that tight end position because he is a he's an athletic freak and I do think he's going to be able to bring a different dynamic to the offense than Trey Burton has Uh, and I think that's also going to help free up Anthony Miller across the middle a little bit more especially if they leave him in the slot Uh, so Anthony Miller is going to be my riser for this team nice moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. So the Vikings finished second uh, after a lot of hype, obviously, coming into this year. Losing, uh, well, I didn't even say losing, getting completely just blown out in the NFC Championship game the year prior to the Philadelphia Eagles. They signed Kirk Cousins to the huge deal, $80 million guaranteed, or I think it was 84 altogether, $84 million guaranteed. Uh, three-year contract, so a lot of hope of him coming in saying, oh, you know what, we know Case Keenan was good, but Kirk Cousins is better. A lot of hope that he was going to be able to lead the this team to where they wanted to get to, which was the Super Bowl, and they fell extremely short of that. I personally don't buy into the fact that Kirk Cousins is not a big game quarterback or a primetime quarterback, because a lot of people like to throw out his win-loss record in primetime games. Uh, You know, Winning and losing is a team stat, in my opinion. It's not a quarterback stat, although the quarterback gets all of the praise when teams win and usually gets all of the the heap on them when they lose, but it's not a quarterback stat. They, they may do some things to affect the game, but it's a team stat overall. If you look at his stats personally in those games, he's usually played fairly well in the big games when he's needed to. Uh, I am a Kirk cousins fan. I know you mentioned at the top of the uh, top of the podcast that you are not, uh, but I think that he's going to be good for this team. I do actually uh, expect big things for this team moving forward. And why I say that is because of the coaching changes. So, the coaching changes, the biggest ones was obviously uh, we saw a change at the offensive coordinator position at uh, uh, what was that probably like week 11 or 12 it was pretty late in the season uh, that they made the change but they went to uh, Stefanski who was the quarterback's coach and is now the offensive coordinator he's staying on as the offensive coordinator which I think is good Uh, it allows uh, the whole offense not just Kirk Cousins but the whole offense to kind of grow and get a full offseason under his new offense and however he wants to run it I also am intrigued on your thoughts on on the fact that Gary Kubiak has been brought in as the assistant head coach and special advisor to the offense. Uh, Gary Kubiak has always been someone who's kind of run, uh, been a run-heavy coach. Um, so do you think my team, my big team question right here for you on this is, do you think that with Gary Kubiak coming in, being as run-heavy as he is and, and being brought in to kind of help lend a hand on the offensive side here, Dalvin Cook's value may be shooting upwards?
2: Uh, I do think so. I actually am in the just in the second round of a draft and I was a super flex draft and so I'm picking from the three spot and uh so at two ten I was sitting there just salivating, waiting for Cook to drop to me, and somebody grabbed him at two eight. I was kinda chapped. I ended up taking Julio instead, so I started off Zeke Julio. But I think uh I definitely think that Stefanski and Kubiak are going to be great for Cook, which means they're going to be just okay for Cousins. Uh-huh. He's when you're when you're getting a lot of yards on the ground, the other side of that coin is you don't throw as much. So, you know, you when you're running, you eat up more clock, you have fewer plays. Uh it, it's just something that, you know, I don't hate Cousins, mm-hmm. I just I probably don't like him as much as you do. I think he's one of those ten to sixteen quarterbacks. Yeah, gotcha. he's in that range for me. By if, if I'm waiting on a quarterback, is he somebody I might grab late? Sure, um, but I, I think he he's he's okay. He's pretty good. He's you know I'm looking for great unless I'm deciding to just punt the position uh, and grab old people late, but. Uh I think that uh, Kubiak is gonna. My my biggest concern, I think, is that Kubiak uh, is he gonna clash with Stefanski? Is it because uh, isn't Kubiak's son the quarterback coach now? You know, yeah. is Stefanski gonna be booted? You know, nine games into the season, and Kubiak come down and take over because they're not seeing eye to eye. Uh, that's the only thing I kind of worry about there.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Uh, I I would, I I would think no. I think you would hope not because just based on you don't want to kind of cause that kind of stuff going on. with It would be interesting to me if he does that, especially with the fact that he was trying to, or at least there was talks that he was going to take over as the offensive coordinator with uh, and work with Vic Fangio there in Denver. Oh goodness. Sorry. But, uh, I don't, I just, man, that would be insane if that happens. I don't, I would hope that that doesn't, but uh, I actually wouldn't be surprised when you put it that way. I'm not that worried about Kirk Cousins. Uh, You know, he's obviously shown in multiple seasons that he could be a top five fantasy quarterback. He's obviously, as many of us talked about last year, on by far on the best team that he has ever been on with the weapons he has around him. I would hope. That with Dalvin Cook being there, if they do end up running the ball more often, that they'll also be able to use him in screens and everything as well, which will obviously get Kirk Cousin some points as well because they will be able to throw the ball to Dalvin Cook. That is definitely something to watch. I know that was honestly kind of the, uh, the narrative around him. Coming into this year was that the fact that he had a running back like Dalvin Cook, he was going to run the ball more, and that was going to kind of limit Kirk Cousins' points. It did somewhat, but not a lot, and uh, obviously Dalvin Cook was injured pretty much what felt like the entire year, Uh, so that might have uh, obviously kind of played into that as well. Key free agents here that they are losing are mostly defensive, but there is one offensive player that I want to ask you about. So they're losing Sheldon Richardson, Anthony Barr, and then I have Dan Bailey on this list uh, just because he was a kicker that a lot of people drafted if you play in a league with kickers. But the big one is Latavius Murray. I actually thought that Latavius Murray was a fairly good backup for Dalvin Cook. We obviously saw when he came in, he could finish as he finished as an RB1 Whenever he was playing uh, instead of uh, Cook while he was injured. Do you think that they let Murray go? If Murray does go, do you think that he gets a shot somewhere else? You think he's just going to be kind of relegated to a back of role? Uh, what do you think is going to happen with this running back field uh, if he leaves or if he stays?
2: Well, I think they want to try to keep him. Uh, he's definitely a valuable backup. Um, he can step in and uh, start for a good stretch of games if needed. But I don't think he's anything exceptional. He's got good straight line speed, but doesn't have much wiggle. He's pretty big, uh, but doesn't do a real good job moving the pile. He's a good overall back. He's just not great, I don't think, at at any one facet of the game. And he's definitely valuable to have as your number two. Uh, That being said... Uh, if he does leave there, I don't think anybody's bringing him in to be the starter. Okay. I think he'll go somewhere and he's going to uh, have an opportunity to compete, but they're not expecting him to win. They're hoping he'll come in. He'll be happy. He'll take, you know, 25 or 30% of the workload, make sure the starter stays fresh. And if something happens, he'll step in and he'll do what he does, which is um, be a serviceable starter
1: hope that they're able to retain him just because I think he provides them a lot of value, especially with Dalvin Cook being out. If he is out, uh, we've obviously seen him now two years in a row suffering or dealing with some kind of injuries. Uh, So obviously if you have Dalvin Cook, that's definitely something you need to watch for if they decide to move on from Latavius Murray or not. If they do, I'd imagine, again, as we've mentioned already a couple times in this podcast and I'm sure we will continue to mention this class is loaded with a lot of running backs that will likely be drafted later third round and on uh, that they could probably grab a guy there to bring in or and help him out or they also have Rock Thomas who I'm a big fan of he came in and played a couple times Uh, last year was on the practice squad they brought him up was playing a little bit of special teams Uh, he's a guy that I was pretty high on Last year at the running back position thought he might uh, might be able to do something. Uh, obviously not quite as good as I had hoped he would be, and he's not actually with the team anymore, so I retract my statement on Rock Thomas. They, uh, they have Mike Boone and uh, Amir Abdullah, who is also a free agent as well, so I don't imagine they'll bring him back. So the chances are, we'll just go back to what I first said, they're going to grab somebody in the draft more than likely if they let Murray go. Because they don't have much cap space. They've got about $5 million. Again, much like the Bears, I'm sure that they'll move some people around, possibly cut some players to clear up some cap space, but they're not going to be able to create that much cap space. So chances are they're not going to pursue many players in the free agency which is not good because they've got a couple key issues here. The offensive line needs major help. That's obviously been the biggest issue. We saw it in multiple games this year, uh, the way the defenses were just able to get to Kirk Cousins, what seemed like fairly easily. They need to attack the offensive line in a big way, and the problem is this draft class is not loaded with offensive line talent, in my opinion. Uh, So they've got a couple players uh, that are up there. We'll get to them in a minute. The one player I think they might have a chance at is the right tackle from Denver, Jared Velde Here, I think he's possibly going to be the best tackle on the market. There's a lot of talk that he won't be going back to Denver. So if Minnesota is able to get him, that'll be huge. They also need some linebacker help. Now, obviously, they could bring back Anthony Barr, who is there, currently their linebacker, who's about to become a free agent. Uh, the big name ones, I can't imagine they'll sign Clay Matthews, but We've seen crazier things happen. For instance, Brett Favre coming over to the Vikings. Right, uh, right. But uh, Derek Morgan, K.J. Wright, Thomas Davis is the one that I, I think has a real shot here. He wants to continue playing. I still think he could be serviceable for an, at least another year or two. He's one of those key veteran guys that I could see coming in on like a, a short-term, decent deal that the Vikings I could see probably picking up. And then C.J. Mosley, like I said, I, I think – In all honesty, Wright, Mosley, and Matthews are probably too overpriced for what the Vikings have available, at least right now. But I could see possibly Morgan and Davis getting a shot here. In the draft, you've got a loaded linebacker in defensive line class. Uh, Obviously, they don't really need much defensive line, even if they lose uh, Richardson. Their defensive line is still fairly good. Uh, But Chris Lindstrom, Michael Dieter, Garrett Bradbury, Devin White, Mack Wilson, Devin Bush, and Joe giles harris all of which i think could or possibly have a chance to go in the first two rounds they pick 18 so chances are they're gonna be able to get at least one of these guys all these guys i think are top end talent what do you think uh do you think they should do the same thing you suggested with the bears and just kind of a like a wait and see approach try and attack it in the draft again obviously with five mil there's not a lot that you can do in the free agency, in the free agency realm, necessarily, especially with the the needs that you have, my I guess my question to you would be: Would you rather attack the defensive side, or possibly the offensive uh, offensive line side with free agency, and then what side would you attack with the draft?
2: Well, their challenge is twofold: they only have five million dollars in cap space, and they only have five draft picks. So they are in a situation where they've got. A couple big key free agents in Richardson, Murray, and Barr that they're probably just not going to be able to afford. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they can bring one of them back after they get done uh, restructuring a bunch of contracts and cutting some other people. Maybe they can have room for one. Uh, But then again, they only have five draft picks, and so they're going to have to make sure they're hitting. Uh, picking at 18, I think they should probably take the best available offensive lineman there. Uh, their offensive line really struggled. They need to get younger, and they need to get better. I almost feel like they should go offensive line at 50 as well. If they can get – I don't think Thomas Davis is going to command a very high salary. Right. He's old, and he's good. He's, he's, he knows where to be. He knows what to do. Is he still able to get out and get there in time? guess we'll have to, to wait and see. You know, there's a reason that uh, Carolina decided not to bring him back. So bringing in offense, you, you have to build the team from the inside out. That's kind of my belief. You build your line, you build your defensive line, and you work out from there. And then you pay those uh, studs at quarterback, at wide receiver, defensive back to defensive end to to do what they do. But you have to get that really, really solid foundation. So they're going to have to take a look at the draft. They're going to end up probably signing some minimum deal free agents, just hoping to hit on some depth on the offensive line. But if they could pick up Greg Little at 18, you know, maybe that's a reach. Maybe he uh, should be an early second rounder. But if it's going to make your team better than any other player at that time, I, I don't see why you don't take them. So, it's it's going to be uh, interesting to watch them maneuver with the cap and find their way around to getting the cap space to bring in the players that they're going to need right
1: yeah I agree with you 100% I think in all honesty out of the four teams in this division they're the ones that need the most work done because as you pointed out and I completely agree with you you've got to build your team from the inside out and they are struggling at one of the key the biggest position in my opinion which is the offensive line it doesn't matter if you have a franchise quarterback in Kirk Cousins or even if you don't think he's a franchise quarterback he's still at least top tier quarterback he's, he's in top, the top 15 of this league for sure on that and if you can't protect him it doesn't matter how good he is because he's not Tom Brady or Peyton Manning who's going to get that ball out in two or three seconds just find the open receiver he needs a little bit more time you need to find a way to protect him I I'm with you hundred percent I, I just don't know how they're gonna be able to rebuild all this stuff I imagine they're gonna have to completely restructure some deals to be able to make some moves here because I don't think that they're gonna be able to attack this offensive line in the draft I just don't think there's enough depth at the depth at the position they don't have enough picks uh, to get to completely rebuild this offensive line so they're gonna have to try and get at least one or two players uh, in the free agency free agency period which is going to require them to get money or I guess they could make some trades we can't we can't rule that out. Uh, I just don't know if they'll actually make a trade for an offensive lineman, Uh, but that is by far their biggest need in my opinion Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do with those draft picks. At at pick 18, I imagine they could still get a decent offensive lineman or they'll be able to still get a really good defensive player if they decide to go defense. Uh, So that'll be something to watch for, obviously free agency coming first. Uh, I think that'll kind of give us our biggest hint moving forward what they're planning on doing especially in the draft if they don't do much or if they attack the one side of the ball in the free agency period. So it's time to But well, looking
2: at this mock draft on draftsite.com uh-huh. uh they they pick at 50 and after their pick there are the likes of Michael Jordan, offensive guard Isaiah Prince, offensive tackle Bo Benchual, Benchua, out of Wisconsin, probably butchering in that name, Connor McGovern out of Penn State. So there are there is potentially some good interior linemen, Right. Available at fifty, and if they can get one of the tackles at eighteen, it could work out. It could change the outlook for that line. Bring in a veteran, somebody to, to work the swing tackle, the multiple position backup interior lineman. You know, it could work out.
1: Yeah, it could. I just, like I said, I'm not sold. There's for me, and, and I might be wrong on this. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I don't obviously do a lot of evaluating of offensive linemen. Uh, it's not something that I know enough about, in my opinion, to. to fairly judge them so I go based on what I hear and read from other people when it comes to that and it just feels from what I've read and seen it seems like this offensive line class is is top heavy there's like five or six guys that are really high up on everybody's board and then not a, a lot of people like many of the players below that they don't have high opinions of those players so it's hard for me to know if those guys will be able to turn around the offensive line now they could. We've seen many of players. Uh, I can't remember what his name was, uh, but I was just hearing them talk about him today. He's on the Patriots. I wanted, It might have been Cannon. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him when he came out that they didn't think he'd be that good, and then the Patriots have turned him into a phenomenal offensive line player. That might be the offense, might be the way the Patriots run their team, who knows, but just because... The obviously these scouts and everything are saying a player isn't good doesn't mean that's the end all be all. I know I saw someone post on Twitter just the other day the the ratings and talk about Aaron Donald when he was coming up that they thought he would be you know a rotational guy at, you know like a fourth or fifth round pick and then he's ended up being the best defensive player in the NFL two years in a row so. It's obviously not the end-all, be-all what these guys are saying, uh, but we'll, we'll see. Like I said, it's it's going to be huge for them. I think that's their biggest need is offensive line. So if they're able to get a couple guys in the draft like you were just talking about after pick 50 and it's able to turn around their offensive line, I think they have a clear shot to win this division and possibly go back to being Super Bowl contenders. But I, I would think you agree with me. They've got to attack that, and they've got to attack that hard because if they don't get that offensive line turned out, this offense isn't doing anything. All right, so now it's time to get – to our dynasty risers and fallers. Do you have anybody on this uh, team that you think is going to rise up or fall down uh, dynasty-wise for fantasy?
2: Well, I think Dalvin Cook is going to be a top eight running back. I think he's going to get the opportunity and be able to uh, perform. Bevel is – or excuse me, uh, Kubiak's uh, offensive style is – Suits Cook in his one cut ability to read the hole, make the move, and get up field. So I, I like him. I I feel like if I had to go out and I'm looking to buy somebody on the sly and stash at the end of my bench and see if they're gonna, you know, and sort of as a lottery ticket, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going out and getting Tyler Conklin. Okay. The the backup to uh, um, Rudolph. Rudolph. We've already talked about their salary cap situation. You know, Rudolph is, he's a top 12 tight end, but between four and 12, what does that really mean? So I, I think that there's an opportunity there. If Conklin can continue to progress from that small school uh, tight end, he, he could take over that job. And uh, have quite some upside surprise.
1: Do you have any dynasty fallers?
2: Yeah, I kind of feel like uh, Thielen is going to be. Yeah, you know, the passing game in general, I think, is is going to be down a bit just because of their success running the ball. Mm-hmm. And it isn't necessarily that I think they're that they're terrible. They were thirteenth in the league last year. They threw for just over four thousand yards. Um, I, I could see Cousins dropping two or three hundred yards below that, his YPA dropping off, you know, because they're getting, uh, I actually could see now that I say that out loud, could see Cousins yardage maybe being close to that, mm-hmm. but I could see that because Dalvin Cook is a dynamic receiver as well. So I feel like I would, this season, if I'm buying only one of the, the, uh, Minnesota receivers, I think I'm going to go by Cook. Or not Cook, uh, Diggs. Diggs, gotcha.
1: Well, unfortunately, we're in agreement here. Those were those are going to be my guys as well. I think Dalvin Cook, uh, he's a huge buy for me this year. Uh, I don't know if any owners will be really sour on him after the, year, the past two years that he has. They might be. If that's the case, I would try and get him. Uh, at all costs, because I do think that he is going to be the workhorse in this offense, especially if they lose Latavius Murray. Um, you know, again, with only five draft picks, uh, the chances are they'll probably have to use one on a running back in this draft, If they, especially if they let Murray go. Um, but I don't know who it'll be, and I don't see any of those guys coming in unless they get, you know, what chances are they won't. But chances they get Rodney Anderson, Miles Sanders, you know, Josh Jacobs, one of those guys who could obviously clearly eat into Dalvin Cook's value. I don't see anybody else eating into his value. Uh, and with the offense more than likely going to be a run-heavy offense because that's what Tubiac likes to do. I think Dalvin Cook is on the rise big time. I don't know if I have him top eight. Uh, I haven't really sat down to do any of my rankings yet, but I do obviously think he'll be in my top 12. So a top tier one running back that's huge, especially a guy who as we both seem to agree could get a lot of catches going into this year in this Kubiak offense. We keep saying Kubiak, Stefanski Kubiak offense. Um, and then my faller was going to be uh, Adam Thielen as well. Um base almost completely on as well what you were saying. If they do start running the ball more that means less targets for both of those guys. I just think Stephon Diggs this is it. I know a lot of people might say that he's already had his breakout year. I think this is where he cements himself to be a top and tier-one wide receiver. I think he has a chance to have a real breakout this year. He's the better red zone threat, in my opinion. Uh, he's not quite the route runner, and I don't think he has quite the hands that Thielen does, uh, but I just think he's more explosive and the bigger red zone threat. I think once they start getting down into the red zone, Based on what we kind of saw from Kyle Rudolph this year, kind of almost falling completely off a cliff, they're going to start leaning and going to Stefan Diggs more often in the red zone than they were trying to get it to Kyle Rudolph. Uh, And so I think Diggs is going to take a big step forward this year. So with Diggs taking a step forward and then obviously Cook being the mainstay in the offense, I think Thielen is going to fall back a little bit. Now, I don't think he's going to drop down to like a wide receiver three or anything like that. He's probably still going to be a top end, I would say, wide receiver two. Maybe fall into the middle of the wide receiver two range, so he'll still be very good for fantasy. uh, But I don't think he's going to be kind of like that top three. Well, he was like the top one option through nine, ten weeks of the year this year. I don't think he does quite that ever again, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I think he's beat.
1: Yeah. So with that being said, who? Oh, well, no, that's it. Sorry, guys. We're done with the Vikings. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers. Packers had obviously a very tumultuous season. with with what looked like it was going to be an awesome season when you saw Aaron Rodgers in the very first game against the Bears get hurt, come out, and lead an amazing comeback, score three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to lead them to a win, and you're thinking, all right, that bad man Aaron Rodgers is back at it again. He's finally going to lead this team back into the playoffs and do something, and then they almost completely fell apart. They were not able to win a game on the road. They just struggled all year long. What... Do you think – well, I don't know why I'm asking you what you think because we need to talk about the coaching changes first. I I apologize, guys. I'm all over the map today. So the biggest coaching change was obviously Mike McCarthy. He was let go. They brought in Matt LaFleur. They have Luke Getzey as the quarterback coach. Big thing for the defense, though, in them keeping Mike Mike Petten. I've always been a big Mike Petten fan ever since he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, just throwing that out there. What I wanted to ask you was what are your thoughts on them bringing in Matt LaFleur? Because I think I might have a different take than you, so I would like to hear your take first.
2: Well, I think that uh, LaFleur Lef- has kind of been painted with this brush that, you know, well, his Tennessee offense didn't do anything. Why is this a good hire? Uh, but he's from that uh See, whereas he comes from the Andy Reid tree, I think.
1: No, Sean McVay. He he was touched by the Golden one. Yes, yes. So
2: you know, he he, it's it's one of those you know who's going to be the next Nirvana kind of hires. Yeah. (laughs) But I think Lafleur is a. a, I think he's a solid coach. The thing is, he's going to have to make that transition from being a coordinator and a position coach to being the administrator, and and that's where a lot of young coaches struggle. Uh, he's brought in a very experienced, um, offensive coordinator and Nathan Hackett. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke Getzey has worked with Aaron Rodgers before He's spent time in green Bay. So they're familiar. So I think bringing him in as a quarterback is going to be a good thing. Uh, I think the biggest thing that Lafleur is going to bring to the table is going to let, uh, Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. and hopefully he's going to let uh Aaron Jones touch the ball.
1: Yeah, that'll be huge especially for all of us Aaron Jones uh, truthers and people who love Aaron Jones like myself because uh not a um uh, you know I guess I would say it was a rough year for him this year, watching uh, him lose snaps to Jamal Williams, especially when Mike McCarthy just seemed oblivious to the fact that Aaron Jones is a better running back. Uh, unfortunately, I agree with you. I was hoping to maybe get a little bit of an argument between us on this one, but uh, I, I don't understand why everybody is against this Matt LaFleur hire. Um, his offense, in my opinion, was not that bad in Tennessee. Uh, you got to – I think put into the fact that he was playing with Marcus Mariota and this offense. And I am not someone who believes in Corey Davis. I am not someone who believes in Derrick Henry. So I think that is where a lot of the offensive woes need to be put on. I thought, that there was a lot of games that the Titans had a very good looking offense but when you have Marcus Mariota who was out half the year with his elbow issue uh, couldn't get the ball to Corey Davis I think Derrick Henry is extremely overrated you bring him over now to the Green Bay Packers where you have possibly one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game you bring in Aaron Jones who I think is infinitely better than Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis you add in Devontae Adams who in my opinion is the 1-1 right there with DeAndre Hopkins for wide receivers and fantasy right now and then you add in the fact that they have three young wide receivers going into their second year that any of them could break out in ESB, Jamon Moore, and MSV. Any of those guys could do something. I think that possibly they'll lose Randall Cobb, and we'll get to him in a minute. So all that's being said, I like this Matt LaFleur hire. I think that he's he's not because he's attached to the Sean McVay tree. There was a lot of talk about him before being very good and smart with the offense. I've heard a lot of people in the know say that he's one of those guys who will not back down from a player either. He will challenge Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's big. I don't don't think that he's going to get in his face and do things maybe and handle things the way that Mike McCarthy did, Uh, but I think that they'll hopefully be able to work together and gain a mutual respect for each other. And if I think that happens, this offense could do great things with the weapons they have around them.
2: I think the best thing that Matt LaFleur has going for him is that he was a backup quarterback for the Omaha Beef. No, just kidding i i i i think Lafleur is gonna gonna be able to do a good job there and uh Patton, keeping Patton on the defense uh i felt like he got kind of got the short end of the stick in cleveland so oh, yeah, i like yeah, Petton as a defensive coach
1: yeah there's no doubt about that he was he was one of the coaches that i wish they would have given a real shot to he there's I mean we could go down a very long list we I mean how long you got here we could be here till tomorrow morning talking about uh, not just the coaches but the players that got the short end of the stick in Cleveland uh but hey hopefully that's all changed around I, I definitely look forward to talking about that when we get to the AFC North because I've got a lot of things to say about the Browns
0: but mm-hmm.
1: moving on to the free agents as I just talked about with Randall Cobb there uh their well their biggest needs first are the safety the edge rusher tight end, and the offensive line although I don't think their offensive line is that bad I think that they probably need like one player so I'm not really going to attack that much and talking about this here it's mostly the defense Uh, I think as you just mentioned Mike Patton I think he's a great defensive coach I think they need to get him a little bit more I thought they killed it in the draft last year especially getting uh, the cornerbacks that they did I know Jackson was one of them I can't remember who the other guy is off the top of my head but I was hoping the Browns were going to grab Jackson when he fell and they ended up taking Chubb I was was pissed at the time I am no longer pissed after what I saw Nick Chubb do but I was really hoping that they'd get him to kind of pair on the other side of Denzel Ward Uh, with that their free agents are going to be Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, Muhammad Wilkerson, and Devon House. And Devon House is a big one because of the back end in that secondary. And Clay Matthews, I can't imagine they let Clay Matthews go. Um, he seems just to me like one of those guys that's going to be a lifelong Green Bay Packer. I could be wrong, um, but I, I think that he. I imagine that he comes back. They have the most cap out of everybody in this division, just barely beating out the Detroit Lions. They've got $34 million, so they can make some some big moves here. And why that's a big deal is because of the available free agents in the back end and on that defensive line. So LaMarcus Joyner, Earl Thomas, and Tyron Matthew, all available at safety. I personally would love for them to get the Honey Badger. I think that he could be huge, huge for this defense here. I like LaMarcus Joyner as well. I I like Earl Thomas. I just don't see him going to the Packers. I could be wrong. I really think uh, Thomas is going to find his way to the Cowboys. He's already said he wanted to play for him. I think that's eventually going to work its way in there, but he is one of the top available ones. And then uh, at the defensive end, one of those or rush position where they need it, Ezekiel Ansah, who I can't imagine the Lions let go, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, who I know, honestly, I can't imagine the Cowboys let go. So then you're looking at Cameron Wake and Derek Morgan. Um, I do think that they could easily get one of those guys with the available cap, but I, I imagine that they will attack defense heavily with the cap space and their draft picks. Their draft picks, they pick at 12 and 30 this year in the first round. Nick Bosa, Nick Burns, Cleveland Farrell, Josh Allen, Jacai Pilate, or polite, I'm sorry. Montez Sweat, all available at those edge rushing positions and then Nasir Adderley, Deontay Thompson, Ju- Juan Thornhill, Juan Thornhill and Amani Hooker all in the back end, the safety cornerback position. How do you think they're going to attack this? Do you think it's going to be all uh, just kind of go all in defense? Like they have kind of the last year's draft as well uh, in a free agency and the draft?
2: Well, I, I think that Lafleur is going to take a look at the team and try to figure out how can he remake it in his image. And first and foremost, he's a offensive guy. Right. So I definitely feel like he's going to – I mean, they have 10 draft picks in this draft. So – I don't think they'll make 10 picks. Uh, you know, the, who was it that took over at GM here a couple of years ago in Green Bay that's finally uh, starting to trade picks there? Oh, goodness, I so, can't remember.
1: I know they let go of Ted Thompson, but I can't remember who it was that took over.
2: Oh, I got it right here. Uh, but, you know, he's willing to uh, – uh, Brian Gutekunst. So he mo- he's willing to make trades. They've got 10 picks. They're going to move around and they're going to try to get the best players for that team. Right. Uh, offensively, I feel like they are solid at skill positions. Uh, I think Jamal Williams is a serviceable backup. I think the trouble was that uh, McCarthy kept trying to play him as the starter. Right. Uh, you got Devontae Adams on the outside, three good young wide receivers. I I struggle to believe that Cobb is going to be back. Yeah, I'm with But you. he may decide, hey, I would rather take substantially less money to keep doing what I do with people in a, in a system that I, I know. Um, so that could happen, but I, I would be surprised. I feel like ESB is going to take the outside spot, and um, Valdez Gantling will step right into uh, Cobb's role in the slot. And that's going to be, with Jones, that's going to be that skill core.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think they'll keep Graham, but I just think I, – I have hopes, I suppose, that Lafleur is going to be able to do with the tight end in Green Bay what they did with Delaney Walker in Tennessee.
0: Uh-huh.
2: But I don't necessarily know that that plays to Aaron Rodgers' skill set. And when you compare the wide receivers that Green Bay has to the wide receivers that Tennessee had or the wide receivers that L.A. had uh, – Versus the tight ends. I, I feel like uh, they're going to continue. The, the tight end is going to continue to be an afterthought.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They could bring in, it's a very deep tight end class. They have a ton of picks, so they yeah. could bring in a very good tight end. But I feel like Clay Matthews is at a point in his career where his salary doesn't match his production. And right. I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if they let him walk. Um, would it be sad? It would, but I could also see maybe him going to Cleveland to play for his dad's old team. You know, that sort of reminiscent kind of farewell. I'm going to go finish out my last three or four years uh, playing wearing 57 in Cleveland with the Matthews name on it, just like dad did. So that could be one of those kind of heartwarming stories. Um, I think, Feel like they're gonna they're gonna not work as hard to keep their own free agents. Uh, I could see if I look at that list of four you gave, uh, Wilkerson and House would be my top two priorities. Agree. Uh, but they did spend a bunch of bunch of capital last year on the defensive backfield, and so they might not uh, they might not go there. Definitely think they need some upgrades on their line. If for nothing else, they need depth because last year when they had injuries, uh, they struggled. And Rodgers, when he injured his knee, he was never right the rest of the season. And that he struggled a lot with that. I I think a lot more. He's a tough son of a gun. And I I just think it was uh, an issue for him for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I got you. And uh, for the Clay Matthews thing, don't don't put that on me, bro. I can't I can't handle it. We need we need a young stud <laughs> linebacker. I I love Clay Matthews, but we already got two aging linebackers back there. We don't need another one. Uh, when it comes, uh, I to... agree.
2: I don't think we need him either.
1: <laughs> uh, I I think that um. With Clay Matthews, uh, in all honesty, I, I agree with everything you said on him. I just think – I don't imagine he's going to demand that much money. And that's why I said I think he's going to end up staying a lifelong Packer. Um, I think he's just going to – I wouldn't say take a pay cut, but when you've got $34 million, you can find a way to um, – you know, kind of finagle the cap a little bit and, and pay him a decent amount but where it's not a huge cap hit. That's just what I would imagine they do. I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if they did let him go, especially with the fact that he wasn't quite the linebacker they he had been so far in his entire career. It wasn't quite that this year. I agree with you. I think that they should try and bring back Mohammed Wilkerson and Devon House. When it comes to the draft, I think they will end up picking up a tight end in the draft. Uh, I agree this is a loaded tight end class and I think that there's a really good shot they'll draft one of these guys and then I think Jimmy Graham's got one year left before they plug in that guy. If they end up getting Font or Hawkerson, I could honestly see Graham being, being completely phased out of the offense. I just... I don't know if it's the injuries he suffered throughout his career. He just doesn't look at all like the guy that we saw in new Orleans. And I just can't imagine that he does much in green Bay going forward. I think he has two years left on his contract, but I would not be surprised if he's gone after this year or possibly even cut at some point in time this year, just based on the money that they decided to, to sign him for last season with the, with the wide receivers. I agree with you. Um, I'm, really big. Have, I've been big since last year on ESB. I think I agree with you on that. I think he takes the other outside job. If Cobb comes back and I could see that exactly in what you said, because I don't know who pays him. You know, it's a lot like Cole Beasley. I know we talked about Beasley earlier in the off season. Where is he going to go? These guys are just not, they're not fast. Yeah. They've got good hands, but they're just not with the younger players we've seen coming into this and especially with the wide receiver class you have coming out this year in the draft. Cobb and Beasley are these guys that are not going to be looked at highly, in my opinion, by other teams. So his best chance is probably going to be to stay with Green Bay Packers um, at probably a discount. Even if he does, I still think MSV has a shot to outplay him. I imagine, especially if they put him uh, if they put him in the slot at times, I think he could thrive there as well. I really like this young core. Again, I've already talked about how much I love Aaron Jones. I think he, in all honesty, is going to be the biggest riser on this uh, on this team, and I would imagine you agree with me. Who is your riser for this team in Dynasty?
2: Oh, well, you picked it, Aaron Jones. Uh, he is just a dynamic runner, and if they shore up that offensive line, get good depth, then they'll have an opportunity for him to really put up some good numbers and show um, how wrong Mike McCarthy really was. With the young receiving core, they just have a really good opportunity to put a good team around Aaron Rodgers as he makes uh, his run during these last couple years of his prime and into the twilight of his career. I think he's probably taken a little more beating than some of these other veterans because he's been more mobile and he's done a lot more running. Uh, He's got out of the pocket and tried to make more plays, and so he's gotten hit a little more. I think that's starting to take its toll on him, but he's still a dynamic quarterback and can put the team on his shoulders and carry it down the field still. So I, I'm, I'm big on Jones. I think uh, Rodgers is going to move back up to the top uh, as far as the quarterbacks go, three, four, five in that range um, if he stays healthy. So if they can keep him upright and keep him healthy, uh ESB and MVS along with Devontae Adams, that's a pretty dynamic receiving core. Oh yeah. And so I could see him putting up some numbers.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm right there with you, as I just mentioned. Aaron Jones for me, the only thing that worries me is the injuries. Uh this is now again the second year that he's dealt with uh with knee injuries. Um, I would imagine it's not going to slow him down any, but that's my literally my only concern with Aaron Jones is is just the the injury history. Uh, I think he's an amazing back. We saw it last year, uh, just w- uh, with what he's able to do catching the ball and running the ball. We saw he was clearly the better back. I think that's why most fantasy owners would just wanted were were picketing outside Mike McCarthy's house through most of the season trying to get that dude to to play Aaron Jones cuz he's clearly better than Jamal Williams I agree with you on what you said about Jamal Williams earlier as well that he's not a bad back he's he's just he's he's a backup running back he's not a guy who uh, I think is going to be someone who, who can carry the load every down um, and be that mainstay guy. That's definitely Aaron Jones for me. Uh, I also agree with you on the wide receivers. I think for me it's ESB. If I had to pick one of the two, uh, ESB or MSV, it's going to be ESB for me to break out. It's really hard just – saying the letters for these three and MSV multiple times I'm, I'm gonna mess that up here eventually uh but but Brown for me is the breakout guy at the wide receiver position I think he has a chance to be huge here especially with what I would imagine defenses start with them starting to key in more on Devontae Adams not that that going to help them more than likely because everybody knew how good Devontae Adams was coming into this season and he still put up the numbers that he did uh, but I think if they start doubling him and everything someone's going to have to do something and I think that's going to end up being ESB um, and in all honesty I don't have a, a faller for this team there's not one player that I can pick out besides Jimmy Graham but I don't think many dynasty owners are very high on Jimmy Graham right now if you are for me he's my dynasty faller I on like I said I can honestly see him being cut from this team uh, but other than him there is no one else that i could see not producing this year the packers are for me one of the most intriguing teams going into 2019 with the draft picks that they have the cap room that they have and then the skill position players they have on offense and defense already i think this team is just a couple moves away from being a super bowl um super bowl a contender do you have any fallers on this uh roster for dynasty
2: nope just graham I don't have anything to add to what you so eloquently said.
1: Okay, gotcha. Well then, it is time to move on to your favorite team, the Detroit Lions. Obviously a very disappointing season for them last year. I, for one, I'm sure was with you in the fact that I thought the Lions had a very realistic shot at – Challenging for a playoff spot in the NFC. I really like them moving forward. I don't know what happened with Matthew Stafford this year, um, and I'm definitely going to to kind of sit back and let you do all the talking here. Being the Lions fan, you, I know, probably paid a lot more closer attention to them than I did. But I'm a huge Matt Stafford fan. He's been a top-10 quarterback for fantasy Every year that he's been in the NFL, except for this year, I don't know if it was injury. Obviously, in the games that I did see, it looked like the offensive line was struggling to protect him at times. Didn't look like he had much time to get the ball away. They obviously traded away. Golden Tate as well, which I would imagine hurt him because Golden Tate, much like Matt Stafford, I think is a very underrated wide receiver. He was putting up 11 to 1,200 yards every year with 8 to 10 touchdowns every single year, 90 to 100 catches. It was ridiculous how good Golden Tate was and yet never got the respect from a lot of people because it always just seemed, for fantasy players at least, when you needed him the most he came up short. But there was a lot of weeks that he didn't. So they move into this year with the biggest coaching change being Daryl Bevel is now the new offensive coordinator, uh, and he is mostly known for his time in Seattle where they were obviously going to the Super Bowl and everything, very run heavy. That might have been the fact that they had Marshawn Lynch and really no good wide receivers outside of Doug Baldwin. Um, I think that in. This might be crazy to say. I think the Lions right now have a better wide receiver than Doug Baldwin ever was in Kenny Galladay. I do love me some Kenny G. Uh, So, your thoughts overall on obviously the Detroit Lions season last year and their new offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel?
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Patricia is a defensive coach, and he's probably more like Bill Belichick, I think, than any of the other coaches to come out of New England. Uh He's just kind of surly and is he he's clearing out the players and coaches on the Detroit team that just aren't getting with his program mm-hmm. you know he's been in new england and he's seen how that program works and i think he's going to try to emulate it and whether or not it's going to be successful i don't know the Belichick coaching tree has not produced stellar results, to be quite honest. Uh, So he brought in – he was forced to keep Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, After one year, it just didn't work. And whether that was – Cooter wanted to call a plays differently and Patricia was overruling him with game plan issues – and trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. I guess we'll see the next time Jim Bob Cooter resurfaces how he does. But he brought in a run-oriented coach to run his offense. A relatively conservative coach. Now, in Seattle, Bevel would take some shots, but it wasn't uh he wasn't known for the, you know, run and gun Kind of going to rack up a bunch of points. If they racked up a bunch of points, it just happened to be that that's what happened. Uh-huh. So he's going to come in. They've got a great running back, I think, in carry on Johnson. Super high on carry on Johnson. Right there with you. Love Kenny Galladay. Uh, but Marvin Jones is coming back off of in- injury and they got rid of Golden Tate, like you mentioned. And so they're going to have to build their wide receiver core. I don't think Brandon Powell or T.J. Jones uh, are the answer uh, to the Detroit Lions' wide receiver depth issues. They don't have a tight end to speak of. I think uh, you know Luke Wilson and Levine Toyolo, uh, That's that's not Michael Roberts. That's not a tight end room. I. It's gonna strike fear in any set of linebackers. Right. So they've got some building to do there. They have a good offensive line. Uh, they've put some resources into it uh it'll be an interesting thing to see I, I think patricia wants to run the ball and he wants to take shots occasionally and if they can get that done uh i, I think that they have the opportunity to be a, a good team mm-hmm. great i don't know i don't know if they're going to be great but uh right now patricia's kind of at war with the media and he's at war uh, seems like with himself half the time. So we'll see how year two goes. I, I don't know. As a Lions fan, I don't know if I'm cautiously optimistic or realistically petrified.
1: <laughs> we'll see. Well, I would say if I were a Lions fan, I would be cautiously optimistic. I, I think that they have a real shot to turn this around quickly. I, I believe in Matt Matrix uh, Matt Patricia, I think he's a very good defensive coach. I agree with you. He's very Bill Belichickian, and I think that it, uh, he he's trying to implement that there at Detroit, and I think he'll have a chance to do it. What I like about the fact, and, and I'll just touch on them real quick, they only have two key free agents for me, and, and you can obviously, uh, if you have any more, let me know here. But the only ones that I saw on that list were Ezekiel Onsun and Garrett Blunt, and I don't even think LeGarrette Blunt's that big of a deal. I like Carry on Johnson just as much as you do. Uh, I imagine he'll be perfectly fine coming in and being the workhorse without Blunt there. We saw him do it last year and how good he was. I imagine he's just going to continue to grow and get better. I don't imagine they let Ansa go. I imagine they'll find a way to re-sign him. They have 30 mil in cap space. That is one of their biggest needs is defensively edge rusher and then another cornerback, I think, to play on the other side of Slay because I still think, even though he had a a down year this year for the most part, Darius Slay is still a top-five cornerback in my opinion. He's still a shut-down cornerback. If you can get someone else to play on the other side of him, your defense is going to be legit, especially if you can get an edge rusher. And we we just talked about some of the guys already out here. Uh, Cameron Wake, Brandon Graham, Dante Fowler, Thomas Davis, K.J. Wright. Like I said, I have DeMarcus Lawrence on this list, but I just can't imagine the Cowboys let him go. But if they did, whoever gets him is going to get a stud. And then they've got Robert Alford, Kareem Jackson, Brett Grimes, who I think is extremely overrated, but he was on the top of the list, so I put him on here. Morris Claiborne and Buster Screen at the cornerback position. But what's even bigger for me is that they pick eight in the draft this year, right? So you can easily get a top-end rusher or cornerback with that pick there in the first round. And as we talked about, and you just mentioned that they need a tight end, this is a loaded tight end class. They could easily get a Noah Font. I would imagine Font or Hawkerson goes in the first round but I wouldn't imagine both do. So if you could get one of those guys in the second round, all of a sudden you have a tight end. You could literally plug in and play year one, who I think would start striking fear in defenders already. You use that top eight pick to get yourself a top end cornerback or defensive end or rusher, rusher type. And all of a sudden you can use the rest of your picks uh, to attack, you know, the offensive line who you said they need maybe a little bit of help for, maybe just build in some depth. And then all of a sudden, you got a loaded wide receiver class as well. You could get someone, you know, just for instance, because I know we're a big Buckeyes fan. If you could you imagine if they got Paris Campbell in the third round, third or fourth round, all of yeah, a sudden he's your.
2: That would be great.
1: Exactly. You get him or someone, you know, someone of his ilk, a Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin. You get one of those guys who you can plug in the slot. And then you have Kenny Galladay on the outside. All of a sudden, as much as I love Golden Tate, you have a more explosive wide receiver in your slot with Matthew Stafford. So I think they are loaded to bear. Obviously with draft picks, they have the money. Matt Patricia now second year going in. He can continue to start to build this team in his own image. I think Detroit is looking up. And as I put, At the beginning of this podcast, which I know you you listen to so you'll hear it, for me, this is going to be, in my opinion, next year the toughest division in the NFL right there with, in all honesty, the AFC North. The only reason I say this one's going to be tougher is because I'm not sure the Bengals are going to be able to compete. But you got Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland, and in this one, I think all four teams going into next year have a realistic shot to
2: win this division. Well, Detroit has nine draft picks, so right. they can clearly make some moves. I'm, it's going to be really interesting to see if uh, Patricia decides to go full on Belichick and just trade back as far as he can
0: mm-hmm.
2: from the in the first round. He can drop down, you know. Some of the players up there at eight, while good, they're not necessarily top needs for what the Lions have. Yeah. You know they can move back and and still get more resources and get players. You know if they could get Montez Sweat at twenty instead of Devin White or Cleveland Farrell at eight, you know, I think that that replaces Ziggy Ansah right there. Uh-huh. Uh, if they can move back and make you know get Dexter Lawrence at twenty eight, drop back somewhere in in. The, into the 20s, pick up something. I, yeah, it depends on uh, what their thought process is coming down from uh, the front office there. You know, But Bob Quinn, a f- former uh, New England Patriots, running the show there. And so Quinn and Patricia, they could decide to go full-on Belichick and, like I said, start moving back and accumulating those second and third and fourth round picks Uh and bring in a lot of really, really good depth to build that team around.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's exactly why I like I said, I'd I'd be optimistic for these guys. Like I, I just really like, you know, just the core they have right now, defense, obviously, like I said, I'm big on Ansa. Uh, I think obviously if they bring him back, all of a sudden you have a, a premier draft rusher, you obviously have Darius Slay again, um, why well, I cannot remember who their linebacker is, but I know they've got a is it Gerard, Jared Davis right? They've got. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like him a lot.
1: Yeah, they've got a they've got a stud linebacker, so they've got at least a key player in each level of the defense, and they have Matthew Stafford, who, again, I, I just think it was one bad year. I can't just he's going to be good. He'll bounce back next year. I would I would stake a paycheck on that. I, I really think he'll be fine next year. And then if they can get themselves a wide receiver, which seems extremely realistic, especially if they do do what you said and and dra- uh, trade down a little you said bit. Do-do. With uh, with this uh, with as loaded as this class is, all of a sudden you get yourself a wide receiver, uh, a tight end in this class, and then possibly some defensive players, and all of a sudden the the Lions are forced to be reckoned with in this division.
2: Yeah, I, I like I like where they're sitting. They they could definitely uh, make make an impression.
1: All right, so that will end our line. Oh no, we got risers and fallers. I'm sorry, I almost forgot about that. Do you have any risers or fallers for this uh, for this team? I only have risers. I don't have any fallers, for to be honest with you. So, do you have any risers?
2: Yeah, I mean, I pretty much like the entire offense of Galladay, Johnson, and Stafford. All right, it's it's hard to not like them, you know i I wrote an article last year before the season, uh, making the case for On Johnson as rookie of the year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it was a long shot. Uh, he had some health issues, and that presented some problems for him. But he showed that he can take that ball and he can he can run with it. He can catch it. And uh, you know, Kenny Galladay. At the end of the season last year, uh, I had Galladay on my only championship team, mm-hmm. and. After Jones got injured and they traded Tate and I'm like, man, he is gonna be double and triple covered all through the fantasy playoffs. What am I gonna do? I was actively trying to move him and just wasn't able to get what I thought was a good price. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna dance with the girl that brung me and I'm gonna put him out there and if he if you know, and take what happens. And I think he had like seven for one forty and yeah. He just had some really good games in the fantasy playoffs and uh, helped me win that only championship. So uh, I think Galladay's the real deal.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I made a uh, a trade early in the uh, early in the the season. I think it was like back in week two. Um, I've, I've been, in all honesty, I wasn't that high on Galladay coming out. I wasn't sure what he was gonna uh, be like. I saw him play in that first game where, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure he lit it up, and I was just like, "Man, this!" I, I, I was like, "I thought he was going to be better than Marvin Jones at that point." I was like, "Dude, you know what? I'm going to go go ahead." No, it wasn't the first game. It would have been the was it the second game? Can't remember. I don't think he did anything against the Jets because the Jets was the game they got blown out, right? It was like Monday Night Football. Sam Darnold's come out party threw that pick. Man, yeah. I wish I could remember which one it was. I know it was, the, it was. I think it was the 49ers game, week two. He had a huge game. I made a trade for him. I traded TJ Yeldon and a second-round pick to get him. And I was thrilled that that got accepted. And then I played him all year long just like you did. He obviously had uh, – I agree with you. I can't remember exactly who it was that they played in the fantasy playoffs, but I thought the same thing. Obviously, when Marvin Jones went down, Golden Tate gets traded, and I'm sitting here like, well, shit. There's no way that Kenny Galladay is going to continue producing the way that he has – this year, uh, it was against the Cardinals, I remember now, because he was going up against Patrick Peterson, who is, my, in my opinion, the best cornerback in the league. I was like, there's no way Patrick Peterson's going to shut Kenny Galladay down. We need him. It's week 15. I want to make the finals. Dude goes off, puts up 20-plus points fantasy. It was ridiculous, and I think that just showed you exactly what he can be. He's an elite wide receiver. I'm hesitant to put him at the bottom end of Tier 1 just because of how many good wide receivers there are, but I wouldn't say it's unrealistic that he could make it there. That's how good that I think he could be. Um, And then I'm right there in lockstep with y'all carry on Johnson as well. Um, I think especially with Blunt more than likely leaving, again, same thing as we've talked about with a couple other uh, teams in this group. Uh, there's a chance they'll probably take a running back in the draft here to kind of back up Carry On Johnson, but it's not going to be someone that's going to steal carries from him. Carry On, I think, is going to have a real good shot at a a huge year this year, Uh, gonna really kind of one of those guys that I would target in redrafts because he's a guy I think could probably fall down a little bit based on the injury history or not history, but the injuries that he suffered this first year. Um, I think a lot of people are going to possibly look down on him a little bit because he didn't produce the way many people thought, especially with as high as a lot of people drafted him this year, expecting him to be the lead back. And I think you might be able to get him at a discounted price in redraft leagues uh, this year and help you win it. So that right there, though, is the end of our Detroit Lions, uh, preview or review well, kind of? Let
2: me ask you a question. Okay, what you got? So, you you say you're a little hesitant to put Galladay up at the in the first tier. Yes. So where where are you taking Galladay in a startup? Let's say it's a PPR startup.
1: Uh, in a startup. <sighs> See, I don't know if I'd be able to get him, but I'd probably start targeting him around round three or four. Maybe. Okay. I? I just I it would be hard for me to take him in round two, just thinking off the top of my head how many wide receivers because again it's not that I don't think Kenny Galladay is good. I I think that he has a chance to be an elite wide receiver. It's more of just the fact that I don't know if he can break into that top twelve because I think that top twelve is just so loaded with wide receivers.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's there's a lot of really good wide receivers and so it's uh when when I I feel the same way. I don't know if I can put him up there. I ha- I always I have to kind of take a look and see where is the uh who else is there. Who's going to be there at my next pick? Yeah. Kind of a kind of approach.
1: Well, see, I, I just, we're just
2: getting ready to head into the third round of this
0: gotcha.
2: uh, startup I'm doing, and so I'm I was curious when how. Early was too early. It's you a see. super flex. So four four quarterbacks have gone so far. Uh-huh. So let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Only seven wide receivers. Gotcha. You know, PPR super flex. Been very running back heavy.
1: Yeah. So just looking at the the standings from last year, he finished nineteenth again. And that okay. was with uh that was with the I know he was hurt one game, and then there's a couple games in here. I'm just looking at his scoring right now, and it's it's so much better than I realized. So he had the here we go. 14.9, 17.9, 14.3, 9.4, 17.8, then a couple duds, 4.7, 1.7, then 6.9, 15.8, 21.3, 5, 6, 5, 1, 5, 8, and 8.8. So obviously very good for almost the entire year he averaged 11.41 which is very good uh, especially this is a half point PPR so he averaged even better than that in the full point PPR so he finished 19th and just looking at the list though there's not many wide receivers that I would say he could possibly jump I mean he's got Amari Cooper's one I think he might be able to jump um, just based on the Dallas offense Tyler Lockett and then Brandon Cooks and Tyler Boyd are right there too and those are the only other two I mean you have Robert Woods all the way up there in the top 10 but this is two years in a row Robert Woods has been really good so I, I would imagine he stays up there but then I mean that's when you get into the studs you've got Juju Thielen Jones Thomas Hopkins Hill Brown and Adams I mean you got Odell was all the way down at 13 this year due to the injury so Diggs uh Allen, Evans, so yeah, for me, it's hard to put him right up there with those guys, but I could see him jumping about four, which would then put him right up at the 15 mark, so then you're looking at he's just outside the tier one, and that's kind of where I think he'll finish, and see, with the super flex, like you were just saying, the fact that only seven wide receivers have gone, I mean, I would think you'd probably be able to get him in like rounds five or six, and for me, that would be a steal if you could get him that late, because I do think, like I said, he could easily finish up there in like that top 15 wide receiver.
2: Yeah. In the default rankings, he's, he's at 18 is where okay. he came in. Um, so right now there's still Woods, Cooks, and Diggs, Allen, Cooper, Hilton, Evans, AJ Green, and Juju still on the board. So gotcha. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I pick again in three picks. So.
1: Yeah, that'll be uh that'll be something we'll have to double check on when when Monday rolls around for the next podcast. I'd like to see how how some of that turns out with some of the wide receivers. So we'll have to get a recap from you then. Before we close out the podcast today, real early predictions. I will give you the right to obviously change this because it's February. The 2018 season just ended. So, we're not going to hold you to this, but just looking at everything we've talked about today, how would you expect again, very early into the 20 technically now the 2019 NFL season, do you think the NFC North could shake out?
2: Like standings-wise or yeah. fantasy-wise?
1: No, stand, let's just go standings right now. Just who do you think has a chance? Do you think it's going to be much of the same? Bears are able to repeat? I mean, I can give you mine first. Uh, I have I have the Packers bouncing back and winning this division right now. I think that the... Vikings and Lions both finish above 500 at 9-7. and seven. Um, Don't know, obviously, if both will make the playoffs, but I think both have a chance to make the playoffs. And then I have the Bears, even though this screwed me last year in doing this, I have the Bears taking a major step back. Just offensively, I don't think they're going to be able to do What they did this year and same defensively Uh, If you look at the defensive stats, they led The league by a wide margin in turnovers Turnovers are very fluky You can't always cause those. I think with that uh, With them not possibly being able To get the turnovers they did this year, their defense Will take a little bit of a step back and they're going to Finish fourth in this division. I don't think that they finish You know, four and twelve Or anything like that. I still think that they come Pretty close to a winning record. Again, this Division I think is going to be very tight Throughout the entire year, Uh, but that's How I have it finishing as of right Right now.
2: Well, I I agree with you on Green Bay uh, winning the division, and uh, but I think Minnesota is going to finish last. I just okay. don't think they have the capital right now to address their offensive line and the other needs on the team, and so I think that's going to cause them to still have some issues. Um, you know, Minnesota or, uh, Chicago and Detroit. I, I want to believe Detroit's going to bounce back and compete for the, the, the division lead. But I don't know if that's just my fandom blinders or or not. And I, I can see – I feel like Chicago is going to – their second year with a, a new coach, an outstanding defense. So they, they've, they're going to be settling into what that offense is. Their young players are growing. Miller, Shaheen, Trubisky – and so I, I think it's going to shake out Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota. All right. That was process right there. Was- <laughs> All
1: right. Well, that is going to do it for our NFC North division podcast. Again, this is just kind of recapping and, and kind of giving an early look ahead. We will definitely do this again as we get closer to the season to kind of give you guys uh, anything that's changed. Obviously, it'll be a whole lot easier to give you guys a full kind of preview of the 2019 season based on this is just kind of early talk once the draft and free agency is complete because we'll get a full view of these teams. Uh, so once preseason comes along, we'll kind of do this again, but, but looking clearly back toward 2019 instead of looking back at 2018 as well um and then on monday we will be back with the nfc south division breakdown and uh early preview and then uh since we got to talk a little bit about your draft in this episode as well, I want to go ahead and we'll we'll touch on that. As I know a lot of people are already starting early drafts for the 2019 season, uh, a lot of people excited about that. So we'll kind of get your your take on what's been going on with your Superflex draft and how players have kind of been shaken out to give uh, anybody else who's getting ready for a draft or doing a draft right now something uh, to kind of expect and look at uh, to give them an example of what might happen in their drafts. Thank you again so much, Dennis, for joining me today for the NFC North uh, Breakdown. Enjoyed having you on again today. Hope you have a good weekend. Stay warm. I know it's going to get really cold here in Texas today and this weekend, so I'd imagine it's going to do the same up there in Ohio. So stay warm, and I will talk to you again on Monday, buddy.
2: Right on. Have a great weekend. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn on you got your popcorn ready?
0: I came out the Woon Touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. no one up above his head. They can't jump with me, Godly. Or oh, will they tackle him at the forty-yard line? Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can.